Welcome, this is the Teaching Excellence podcast for all things FE, teaching, learning, assessment, quality and possibly a few other things along the way. Hosted by Steph Wilkinson and Jade Gibson, leaders in FE who want to support others and make a difference and hopefully spread a little happiness whilst we're at it. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Um, Steph here, Jade's away on holiday, so I thought I'd bring you something really exciting. And today I am joined by Matt O'Leary. Hi, Matt. Hi, Steph. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and joining me to um, discuss all things observation. Um, As you know, my job is... Um, all about improving teaching and learning across across the college and one of the things that's heavily debated whether that be when I'm in college or whether I be out of college at different events or at different places um, observation always kind of is one of the things that um, is a challenge or is a, a debate point so I just really appreciate you coming to talk to me all about what you do in your research so thanks oh that's fine yeah Fab, um, I think I just wanted to pick your brains, really, um, and and talk to you about your research and and the things that you've been involved with over the last few years. Um, yep. So, if you wouldn't mind, um, yeah, just okay. kind of take me through some of the last pr- a few projects or last few years, whichever way you want. Yep. Whichever. Yeah, way that, that's do. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've chosen three projects which are all very recent because I thought you know it makes sense for for people uh, that are interested in listening to to hear about um, very recent projects that are in some cases live that have only just finished in the last couple of months and and the publications are out there um, or will be out there certainly in the case of one of them next week so um, the first one I'm going to talk about is a um, uh, a project which was an 18-month project which we finished um, in April last year mm-hmm. uh, um, and that was funded by the Higher Education Funding Council for England. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the title of the project was Im- Improving uh, Learning and Teaching Through Collaborative Observation mm-hmm. and it, the, uh, very briefly the, the, the background to that was it was kind of building on some of the work I've been doing over the last few years around uh, developing um, uh, more beneficial uh, mod- models of, of observation, and, and by the word beneficial, I mean beneficial for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, something that um, actually makes good use of the time that people invest in observing each other's practice, talking about that the, 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 that practice, and how that then feeds into uh, improving the, the the students' learning experience. Mm-hmm. So what we did with this project, it was, as I said, it was an 18-month project. And um, the, the starting point, really, for, was for us to kind of reconceptualize the way in which um, we think about observation, the way in which we use observation, and repositioning it from this traditional method of teacher assessment, um, predominantly used in a performance management context. Yeah. Um, to um, taking it out of that um, that context and thinking about it more as a collaborative method of of, of inquiry between mm-hmm. students and staff, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the one of the um, the innovative um, elements of this particular project was 
building on previous work, what, what we wanted to do differently was we wanted to involve students. Ah, okay. This time. So um, we, uh, we identified um, within the faculty in which I work at Birmingham City University, it's a very big faculty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's made up of health, education, life sciences. Um, we identified five case studies um, from different subject areas mm-hmm. um, that, that um, participated in the project. So um, we had um, uh, a case study in early childhood studies, mm-hmm. uh, one in primary um, education, another in radiotherapy, and then the other two were in child and adult nursing. Yeah. And what we did was we, we got together. Um, uh, in each case study, you had two members of staff and two students. Mm-hmm. And um, what we did was we um, effectively uh, used um, the um, observation, the, the, the kind of the act of observation as a, as a shared point of reference. Okay. Because obviously, um, you know, teachers are being observed all of the time. Yeah. You know, whether it be formally or informally. Yeah. And the people that they're being observed by every single time they step into the classroom are the students, of course. Yeah, sure. And so what we were, were interested in doing, and as I said, it, this had no connection to assessment at all. This was mm-hmm. one of the very um, things that we made clear. This wasn't, there's was nothing to do with, with, with assessment. We separated out the use of, of observation from okay. assessment. Yeah. And so we weren't interested in, in students evaluating their, their teachers. That wasn't the point at all. Okay. The point was was a kind of coming together of these two different perspectives. Yeah. So I guess the easiest way to explain that is by saying from these two different perspectives, you've got, on the one hand, you've got the, the, the teacher perspective, if you like. Mm-hmm. So any teacher, regardless of their subject area, and whether they're teaching in a college or a school or a um, university, um, they all um, essentially perform quite similar tasks. So... Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a, a curriculum, they have a, um, a syllabus, um, often divided up into modules, and they have learning outcomes and assessments, etc. Yeah. And they have to go around planning sessions for each time they teach. Yeah. So what we were interested in, in from the teacher's perspective was looking through that teaching lens, what, what, what the medium of observation could tell us about their, their thinking, about their practice, their planning, um, their um, their implementation of mm. their teaching, um, and then the flip side to that was looking um, at the learning experience. Yeah. So what we would we were doing from a student's perspective is we were um, getting students to think about um, the particular focus of the sessions that were being taught. Mm-hmm. And the extent to which the aims and the expectations of their teachers and what their teachers were um, hoping to achieve within mm-hmm. that session was that a, was that a mutual um, understanding and a mutual experience on the students' behalf? Mm-hmm. So within any any given session, we had we had the two coming together and of the. The, each case study, I said we had four people, two members of staff, two students. Yeah. One of the one of the um, the members of staff would observe the other one teaching, and then the two students they would they would divide up 
um, the the time during the observation to focus on particular um, aspects okay. of that that session that had been agreed um, as between the four. Yeah. Um, um, and as I said, that was an 18 month project. It was an incredibly fascinating project. Yeah, um, it? Well, particularly with regards to. Um, you yeah, yeah, I'm here. Uh, still there. Uh, particularly with regards to what we found out about um, uh, what students come to uh, sessions with, the, yeah. um, their prior knowledge and understanding, yeah. how they make sense of their subject area. Um, the extent to which the content that's being delivered by their their, their tutors, their, their lecturers, yeah. um, is understood in the way in which their tutors or lecturers anticipate it will be understood. Yeah. Uh, and where there are um, where there are kind of gaps and where the that kind of understanding or that 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 um, negotiation of meaning and understanding takes place. Yeah. Um. So, you know, some, some of the key themes to emerge from that project were really, um, you know, in, in some ways reinforcing um, what, we, um, what we know about the way in which learning um, occurs. Yeah. And certainly looking, looking through um, a sort of learning theory lens, if you like. Okay. Um, what we, one of the first things that was very clear um, to come through across all case studies was the importance of learning as a social and collaborative act. Ah, interesting. And um, we, I mean, it, 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 was, it was really interesting to compare the different case studies. Yeah. Because if, I mean, just one thing that immediately springs to mind, if, if we think about um, uh, the nursing case studies, for example. Yeah. Uh, nursing students are used to working in pairs and in teams. Yeah. On both the courses that they're that, 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 they study on but also when they're on placement yeah. in hospital and um and so this kind of openness to um to reflect to talk about their learning to talk about their their understanding of the subject area was something that came very naturally to them yeah sure um whereas when, when we compared it with for example the um the primary um education uh which was a typical kind of you know, initial teacher education qualification. Yeah. Uh, while those students were um, were very were very good at, at, um, at using reflection and 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 following that kind of reflective cycle, as you would imagine, as mm -hmm. part of, of of a teacher um, training program. Yeah. Where I think they found it more difficult was um, uh, working collaboratively to. Um, to unpick their learning experience. And I think one of the reasons why they found that more difficult than say the, the, the nursing students was mm -hmm. because when it comes to the practice of teaching, um, the practice itself, and I'm emphasizing the word practice as opposed to the talking about practice, yeah. the practice of teaching inevitably tends to be quite an individual act. Yeah. So um, there's, a, there's a kind of exposing your, um, there's a part of exposing your, your yourself, your professional self, yeah. to others, and I think people struggle with that a little, don't they? I think they do. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, what you know connected to to that particular um, 
issue. We, we one of one of the other strong themes to emerge from the project was that um, you know collaboration is an important antidote to. I think it was Shulman who used the term pedagogical solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it can provide a really important um, reference point and a forum in which to um, in which to voice um, ideas and, and anxieties yeah. that we sometimes have. Yeah. Uh, certainly looking at it from a, a teaching perspective, but also looking at it from a learning perspective. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things which fascinated us um, about this particular project, and we explored it across all five of the case studies, was what the relationship was between theory and practice. Yeah. You know, you, you have you have what all of these case studies had in common was they were all um, practice-based courses. Yeah. Every, every Each one of those courses, there's a substantial um, element of placement mm-hmm. um, involved. And, um, you know, for years, one of the the dilemmas that a lot of uh, educators have faced is, well, how do we kind of build that bridge between what we're teaching them um, on their, their program of study and then how they're going to make sense of that um, knowledge and those skills yeah. and then apply them in a, in a real workplace yeah. context. Situation. Yeah. So that was, um, that, that's, that's one of the, um, that- that one of the projects. Um, and I think, you know, we're still, um, you know, there's still there's, there's still kind of um, offshoots of, of, of work going on since that project finished. Yeah. I think I you know one of the things that I've been championing a lot recently is about collaborative practice. Um, yeah. Because I just I think probably from a just naturally I like to talk to people and I like to soundboard with people. I like to throw ideas around I, I like to be challenged so that I can yeah. think about things differently but I've, I've read quite a few different things recently and um I like a lot of the positive psychology um stuff um that's kind of coming out at the minute and one of the books that I've been reading um called Big Potential by Sean Aker is all about how if you is basically all about working collaboratively and that you can sort of reach a bigger potential if you um, work collaboratively and support others to also be their best selves Um, and I would just love in my time in education to get to a place where we can reveal ourselves professionally to each other quite openly to just with the common interest to help each other just to be the best that we can be yeah, um, I would really love that, and I think that's the the culture that I'm trying to develop is kind of underpinned by that. So, yeah, I really like that. That's really cool. Mm. Of course, that 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 kind of collaboration and those relationships takes take time, and I think one of the conundrums that 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 you face as a um, you know, as an educator who's who, who's kind of committed to and trying to to develop a, a, a culture. Of, of support and, and, and um, sharing of, of ideas and resources, etc. Yeah, is that um, you're always up against the the demands, the kind of time demands yeah, of lots of pressure with time and, and yeah, of, of systems as well that are demanding yeah. immediate impact and results. But I mean, I think, and I think one of the and and this kind of connects into um, one of the other projects that um, you know recently completed. Uh, which was funded by the Further Education Trust for Leadership. Okay. Uh, um, that, that, that project is looking at the, um, 
the role of leadership in prioritising and improving uh, teaching and learning and further education. Yes, this is uh, what I'm super interested in, actually. Well, that's great because, um, I mean, it kind of ties in very, very, very nicely to the point that, that you've just made and, and the conversation we're having about collaboration. Um, because, um, you know, what, what, one of the things which we were, were really interested um, in exploring as part of the project was, you know, what, what is this, this relationship between um, leadership? And, and we, we, we approached the, the concept of leadership in a very broad sense. You know, we're not just thinking of individual leaders. Yeah. Uh, you know, thinking of leadership as to how it gets played out um, um, across a whole organisation. So that could yeah. be, you know, you can, you can have um, hourly paid tutors can be leaders in the same way that um, um, principal or a CEO of the organisation can be a leader. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things which we, um, I mean, a fascinating project. I mean, I'm biased, of course, but I mean, this, 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 this project for me is probably, you know, it, it's been the most fascinating project that I've been involved in over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, in the sense that um, we've been able to dive into real depth uh, about um, this particular topic and concentrate on um, individual case studies. Yeah whereby we've pieced together uh, the, the various elements that, 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 that impact upon um, teaching and learning experiences. Okay. And, um, and, you know, how, for example, the whole notion of strategic thinking about leadership, so, you know, on a, kind of, on a, on a very kind of concrete level, yeah. every, every college, every school, every university, they have policies, yeah. um, and you could have a, policy for improving teaching and learning let's say yeah um, but how does that then translate into practice yeah and um is what's written in the policy mm. actually what's experienced by people you know yeah at that level in the people working um in that institution yeah um, and I think you know there are a number of uh, the, the 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 actual the, the report is um, it's 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 being um, uh, released uh, for public dissemination next week. Uh, um, we've got a piece coming out in the, the Times Educational Supplement about it as well. Okay. Uh, and um, you know, so there are lots and lots of of, of, um, of of interesting findings from it. But one of the, I mean, one of the, the kind of the key findings. Yeah. From the project is that um, when it comes to improving teaching and learning, mm-hmm. teaching staff, it's teaching staff who are best placed to identify and to target their own professional needs. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean to say that, that 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 senior managers and leaders don't have an important role to play. Yeah. They, do, they they certainly do. Yeah. yeah? But the key role that, that senior leaders and managers have to play in, in this wider um, agenda for improving teaching and learning is actually to establish the conditions yeah. in which that can take place. Yeah. And that's, and for me, that's kind of one of the things that I always, as part of, you know, I want part of my role is to design development week. Um, yeah. But it's not about me dictating what everybody should be doing. It's 
I've tried to always create a, a big choice of things and then get people to own what they need to do. And that's only one little thing, you know. Yes, yeah. Because there's so many other bits and pieces and places and conversations and um, that we can do that. But, yeah, I think it's important to establish the culture and the conditions to be able to do that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you, you've, you've just mentioned a word there about something being owned, that that, that notion of ownership mm. is absolutely fundamental. And although in this particular project we, um, we, had, we had three, three um, different case studies, um, three def- very different um, institutions mm-hmm. and in one case a very big college group, mm. they, 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 they differed, you know, um, considerably, mm. What we found um, across all three mm. was that you know, the improvement in teaching and learning, it's an activity that has to originate with and be owned by the teachers themselves. Yes, 100%. And, you know, a key, and a key driver of, 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 of that improvement is this, this idea of collegial collaboration. Yeah. You know, the, 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 um, the opportunity for, um, for people to come together to talk about practice, to <clears throat> share experiences, to compare ideas, to share resources. Yeah. And um, again, you know, looking at the, some of the, the key things to emerge from the project, mm-hmm. um, if, if improvements to teaching and, and learning are, are going to take place and they're going to be sustainable and they're going to be meaningful, then you've got to create the time and space, yeah. um, both physically and mentally. Yeah. You know, it's because uh, if if uh, w- one of the, the terms I'm kind of playing around with at the moment for um, piece a, a, a different piece of writing I'm doing is is, is this notion of um, development um, or time for teaching and learning development yeah. being being bookended, <laughs> and what I mean by that is, and this is sometimes if you're lucky because it doesn't this doesn't always uh, happen. Yeah. You have it. Ha- you have it happening at the start of the academic year, and you have it happening at the end of the ac- academic year. Yeah, and there's very little that goes on in between. Yeah, I think I, I've become a bit of a broken record talking about all these different opportunities and weaving a web of development and um, having mm. like strands that you you know that pull through. And yeah. I, I think that's. I think that's that's. I'm really excited to read the report because I think it'll help. Sometimes I try and just see where I'm at with my thinking, but yeah. uh, you know, some that I'm, you know, I think, am I going crazy or is this a sensible kind of approach where you know you want? There's definitely for me, it's not about development days or development weeks. It's about just every day and how yeah. we talk about teaching and learning and how we um, create those opportunities because it isn't, um, oh, we'll sandwich it in there or we'll, we'll yes. stuff it in there or, well, we've got to do that there. And, you know, it's not about any of that. It's about teaching and learning development and discussion becoming the core of what we do. And I, Absolutely. Yeah, and I have this real... I have this real belief, a real knowing that if we create those opportunities everything else will just fall into place well i think you're right you know i mean i think if if we look at um so we, one of the case studies because mm. we, we we had to anonymize um or, yeah. or we decided to anonymize the case studies involved and um and that was a decision which was 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 opened up to to them to um to choose themselves and it, it just so happened that 
one of the case studies um, during the, the course of the project, they went through a, a rather difficult Ofsted inspection. Okay. Uh, um, it, you know, the, the decision was taken um, kind of mutually that it, it would be, it, it was important for us to protect their, their identity. Yeah, sure. Whilst not compromising um, uh, the data that we collected from them and then being able to, um, their voices being able to come through very clearly in, yeah. in the, in the yeah. But um, the, 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 the one case study that, that kind of stands out, if you like, that kind of connects to, to what we're talking about, we, we, we use the pseudonym Hilltop College. Okay. Uh, and it's the first case study that's discussed in the report. Mm-hmm. Now, Hilltop College is an incredibly successful college, incredibly mm-hmm. successful, um, and has an amazing culture mm-hmm. of teaching and learning. And one of the things that we um, discovered, which was really at the heart of um, Hilltop's success, mm-hmm. was, um, and we came up with, it, with, with this term structured autonomy. Okay. And what we mean by that, this, this notion of structured autonomy and how it was at, at the heart of, of the success of these college-wide improvements in teaching and learning, yeah. was there'd been... And this, and this is going back to the pre, one of the previous points we talked about, the, the importance of time. Mm-hmm. There had been, over a period of several years in Hilltop College, a loosening of, of, top, of top-down control mm-hmm. and a genuine devolving of leadership to teachers. Okay. And, and, that, and that was epitomised through the introduction of, a, of an initiative um, which in the case of Hilltop College, is known as teaching triangles. Okay. And, and this is where, where staff are, were empowered yeah. to take, take ownership of their, their professional development. They decide the focus of what they want to look at. So yeah. they're still using observation in a way, but they're doing it in a kind of group, yeah. in a, in a group um, as opposed to individually. Yeah. And they decide on a focus, and it could be that... Um, you know, there's no, this is the important thing here is no need to be prescriptive about a particular model. It can vary from one department or one subject area to another. So, for example, it may be that you're, I don't know, let's say you're, uh, you're in the Department of Engineering. Yeah. And there are particular, particular um, challenges with regards to student engagement in classes. Yeah. Um, and that's something which maps across various um, courses. And it may be that you decide collectively as a team, that's what we want to focus on as part of our inquiry through yeah. these teaching oh. angles. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, um, and, and alter- or alternatively, it could be that you have you know, a, a mixture of different um, aspects of practice that you want to focus on. But, but what, was, um, what, was really, what came across really strongly in Hilltop was that the senior leaders had created the necessary conditions to support this structured autonomy whereby teachers were able to exercise that professional agency and run with it themselves yeah and you know it wasn't um and you know often when you talk to people about that kind of notion of 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 releasing control of devolving and responsibility yeah um, you um People, or at least some people who might be skeptical of that, they think, "Oh, well, you know, that's all very well. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of it's a bit loose." It's a yeah, bit- 
And I, I do face that when I'm pitching these ideas around people deciding what they want to do. Yes. Sometimes there is challenge that maybe as, as senior managers, we know better. Yes. Um, I, I, we need to drive this. And, I, I, and whilst I appreciate, you know, I am responsible for setting strategic targets around teaching and learning. So, um, you know, there are things that I think, oh, we're looking at all of the curriculum areas and all of the data and all the student voice and everything that we've got, this yeah. needs to improve and this needs to improve and this needs to improve. Um, but ultimately, it's not about... I, I, I still think that I can drive strategic development but give people the ownership of how they go about doing that um, and how they go about designing that but also recognise that that's not the only thing that needs to develop. So some people might be great at some of those things and then we need to elicit the sharing in that sort of space. But then some people might choose to work on something completely different because they need to own their own developments. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, creating that sort of space and that culture is, I think it's really important. Um, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think in, in Hilltop's case, um, you know, they've, they've had this um, approach in, in place now for, I think it's close to three, I think this is the third year now. Okay. And you know, it's not been without its challenges. Of course it has. You know, one of the, um, I think one of the major challenges, kind of unsurprisingly in a way, mm-hmm. is the timetabling tab- time of that. Yeah, sure. And you get groups of people to come together to work collaboratively. Um, one, of, one of the things which certainly the senior leaders um, emphasised was, was really um, at the heart of that, that success was, the role of, um, they call them at Hilltop, outstanding practitioners. Okay. Uh, and so I, the, the outstanding practitioners are the kind of, the, like a sort of middle, a middle manager, if you like, in terms of hierarchy. Um, they have a role for um, bringing these teaching triangles together, um, for, but it's literally kind of dipping in and out of these teaching triangles. Um, yeah supporting them um giving them guidance on um you know the 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 way in which they can uh for example use a um a kind of coaching approach to having conversations with with their colleagues yeah um uh, as uh, as well as the uh, the more mundane sort of procedural um yeah, sure. aspects. yeah um, no, yeah but it's i mean it, it it came across very very um strongly throughout i mean we because you know, we collected data. We had a you know an absolute massive bank of data. We 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 did a an online survey with all the the the, the staff at the, the the institution. We um we did focus groups with them. Uh, we and we had like kind of a sample of of staff from all curriculum areas of all different levels. We interviewed the senior leaders. We interviewed some of the OPs, and we kept on getting the same story coming back again and again oh really so, exactly so what what i mean it was really clear to us yeah there was no there was no disconnect between what the senior leaders were saying what hourly paid tutors in basic skills or, or you know hair and beauty yeah they were all telling us the same story that's uh, so interesting and and it's you know one the one one particular um focus group that sticks in my mind because there was somebody in there from i think music and performing arts yeah and this person said, you know, well, I just want to start off by saying that, you know, I worked at this college um, 10 years ago 
And then I left and went to work in uh, two or three other colleges over a period of five or six years. And then I came back two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is like a breath of fresh air. You know, the change in both attitude, culture, practices is unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah and that's amazing. I, I, I know I was going to ask you a little bit about culture and things that you know your research kind of links in terms of changing cultures um but i think you know in in all the different things that you've talked about the case studies and the bits and pieces in the different uh, the couple of different research projects i think on what i'm what i'm hearing is under all of that you know what we do through observation and what we do through professional development creates the culture in which we work and it's really important to establish absolutely yeah like a liberating process a liberating um place to be where you can own your own professional development and and you have a real i don't you're supported in that and you're supported yes. to, in, you know in what is a really difficult job um but i i do i have it like i said i have this knowing that um we can create those cultures and we can create those spaces and although it might take a bit of work and it's not always just a straight line, it's a bit of a bumpy road at times. Yeah. We can get there and we can, um, you know, use all the different spaces and time and processes to really enhance what we do rather than restrict people. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on because I think, um, I mean, it's important, you know, what you've just said there, it's important to um, to be really transparent about the fact that you're going to face challenges. You are going to, you know, but you've got to, um, you've got to be open about saying that, you know, it's not going to be a smooth, smooth, smooth ride. Yeah. You're faced up with obstacles and challenges along the way. Yeah. The key is how you overcome them. So, I mean, you know, if I think about some of the work that, that I've been doing at um, BCU since I started, which kind of connects, which was where that Hefke project came out of. I've been, I, I was asked to set up um, uh, an observation um, scheme across the faculty in which I work. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the one that I developed was, you know, in some ways quite radical in the sense that I only agreed to, 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 t- to take on that work on the basis that, I didn't have to adopt what was a, at the time a very a centralized, what I would see as a very outdated assessment-based model of yeah. observation. People will all be familiar with assessment-based models of observation. Yeah. So, um, somebody comes in, usually somebody senior, yeah. uh, they have a checklist of assessment criteria, mm-hmm. and they assess your performance in the classroom in that particular point in time and they come to some sort of judgment about your effectiveness and competence as a practitioner. Now, you know, I, I've been talking about this for a number of years, and I kind of, yeah. I, I probably sound a bit like a broken bro, bro record. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that, 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 that I kind of constantly say in order to try and get my message across is that that model of observation is a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of time, and it's a waste of resources. Mm-hmm. So if you, look, if you look at, for example, um, you know, a, a medium or large um, further education college, mm-hmm. you're talking about between probably between 60 and a hundred thousand pounds a year is spent on that particular model of observation. Oh, and it's waste. And it's a waste of money. That's the thing which really kind of, um, it, it, it kind of aggravates me because I think this is a criminal waste of money. It's not doing anything to improve the quality of teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. 
it's often leading to a whole swathe of, of counterproductive consequences. Yeah. And uh, the data that's being produced is really quite spurious. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's meaningless, really. Um, so, you know, the, the, when I started at BCU, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to move away from that completely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I was faced with a lot of challenges at the same time. So I remember, for example, the pro vice chancellor who was responsible for teaching and learning across the university said, well, how, how are we going to know this? Anyway? How, how are we going to measure this? And I said, well, okay, I, there are ways in which we can measure the impact. And I said, I'll give you the, the, one of the strongest forms of impact. We'll have a look at the, um, the difference in achievement rates across yeah. these programs that we're going to use this, this new approach on. Yeah. Okay. And I said, if we want to look at ways in which we can collect data which can become quantifiable there are ways of doing that you know and what we what we did was we as i said we didn't use observation as assessment at all we used it as a form of inquiry yeah and one of the things that we did was we collected um a set of of of, of recurring areas of practice mm-hmm. and issues across all programs which were identified as being particularly challenging. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and this, some of these were not, they're not rocket science by any stretch of imagination. No. No. <laughs> you know, quite common areas to do with things like, I've got a hundred students, I have to teach them in this lecture theatre. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to do more interactive stuff with them. I'd like, them to, I'd like to get them to work in pairs and groups, but I'm constrained by my physical surroundings. Yeah. So I end up slipping into lecture mode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another another one immediately springs to mind about um, uh, getting students to take more responsibility for their own learning. And as you can, I mean, I think this, you know, personally, I think this is something which applies across all sectors. Although working in higher education, there's often an assumption that, oh, well, you go to university, and it's almost as if, like, overnight, you suddenly become responsible. <laughs> yeah. You're learning. Not, well, yeah, and that's not real. <laughs> it isn't. And, you know, from a, from a teacher's perspective, from a lecturer's perspective, it's like, well, okay, there's still, there's still a lot of students here who want to be spoon-fed. And actually, you know, if we're, for example, if we're preparing, you are teaching these, these student nurses, well, in three years' time, they'll be on the wards in hospitals. Mm. Right? Well, they won't be. They won't be able to call us up, you know, like say, well, what do I do now? Or, and the chances are their colleagues will be so busy as well that, you know, they won't have lots of opportunities to, to ask them. Yeah. So they've got to become more self-sufficient. And that's another thing which we, certainly within the work in the, in, in the faculty on, on, on this collaborative model of observation that we've concentrated on, how we, um, how we encourage and how we enable our students to become um, more responsible for their own learning. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's not rocket science because ultimately what you're doing is kind of monitoring and looking at the data that's coming out, but it's not a number. It's just exactly. it's information that you then do something with. And yes. you do something with it in a very developmental and constructive and supportive collaborative way rather than having codes and numbers and counts that we that we say then we're going to do something with you know it's it's not um it feels different for colleges that are moving away from measuring you know it feels different but ultimately it's the same process with with the with the information and the analysis isn't it 
Absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, going back to Hilltop, because you just got yeah. me thinking about Hilltop there. Well, there, I mean, and I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away in terms no. of, because I'm hoping people will, won't be interested in reading it. But, you know, the backstory to Hilltop was they had been your, um, your typical good college yeah. for, a, for a number of years. And um, they got to a point where the, the principal said, you know, well, we can't, we, we seem to have kind of like, um, have got in a rut, you know, we just can't seem to break out of this good. And, um, and once they got to the bottom of it, they realized that it's because people weren't taking chances in their um, teaching because yeah. they, they the previous um, approach to observation was the typical graded approach, you know, kind of performance management driven. Yeah. Um, so they weren't taking risks. Um, they were quite sort of um, quite insular in, in yeah. the sense that they didn't collaborate and, do lots of cross team working and um they you know they, they didn't want to stick their neck the, the necks um above the parapet to be honest yeah i bet because you know the system they had in in place before and i, I i've seen it in lots of colleges and i'm sure you have as well yeah is that you know those people that would graded a grade one often they would get inundated with colleagues that would mm. be practice or mm. they would be asked to do like a special workshop yeah. so, so and people often, uh, yeah people actively say to me I don't want to be outstanding that's right yeah <laughs> because it yes. means that they felt like it was more work for them it's more work isn't it and yeah. we know that you know whether you're working in a school or a college workload is a massive issue these days yeah definitely it's just so, so fa- it's so fascinating and and there's just so much I could talk to you all day actually Matt um but I'm just kind of got my eye on time because I know I've yes, got um, no, a few no. other bits but um yeah so I know the reason I sort of contacted you originally was because I saw that on I saw on Twitter that you're doing a lecture uh, next week so when is that and how can people um join you oh gosh yeah thanks for reminding me I've, I've still got to put <laughs> finishing touches to that well what it is um uh, for those people that aren't kind of familiar with higher education, just um, there, there's a there's a kind of um, a, a kind of ritual in, in some ways that when when somebody gets um, appointed um, a professor, yeah, they have to give what's called an, an inaugural professorial lecture. Okay, and it's and it's open to everybody. You yeah. know, it's open to the public. It's open to academics, whoever, um, yeah. family. So you know, I've got my my wife and my two my two daughters coming along although i'll have to be careful to keep it fairly short because yeah. otherwise <laughs> but it's, um, yeah the title of the talk is faith over fear yeah. investing in professional responsibility and trust as a basis for improving teaching and it's really um kind of building on on a lot of the work and a lot, a lot of the research i've been doing um yeah. over the last years um mm-hmm. and, and question calling into question this um the notion of accountability and the systems of accountability that we seem to have become so reliant on yeah. in education. Yeah. And I put forward the argument that actually they're not doing anything to move forward our understanding um, of education and to improve practice. Yeah. And, and there are more intelligent forms of accountability mm. that we should be moving towards, that we should be replacing these, these kind of outdated performance management forms of accountability with. Yeah, sure that are really dependent upon um, trust and the notion of professional responsibility. So yeah, sound, it sounds fabulous. So they can either come and see you, can't they? 
Yeah, it's um, there's um, I mean, I, I know I put up a post some time ago on on um, on LinkedIn, and there's also I think there's a the it's one of my pinned tweets on my okay. Twitter. Account. Yeah, uh, there's a link to an Eventbrite page. It's free. Um, it's free to register. Come along. It's yeah. at um, BCU's um, South City South Campus. Yeah. There'll be drinks and nibbles afterwards, oh, nice. and uh, and I think there's also somebody. There's also a colleague of mine who will be doing live stream via twitter as well amazing so how what's your um contact on twitter so it's it's at uh dr matt o'leary no apostrophes that's all small case yeah and that's at matt with two t's uh, okay. so it's d-r-m-a-t-t-o-l-e-a-r-y fabulous and just so people can find you and find your tweet and then um because i know i, I was one of them that said please can you stream it or please can you um you know how can i i can't i can't get there so i want to see it so yeah thanks well, so much for um having that well, option as well well thanks to you steph because it, you know it was based on your you contacting me that i kind of suddenly then sent a flurry of emails to people at the university and said how, how, how can we do yeah, this how do we make some... it happen <laughs> Fab. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Matt. I'm sure if you if you if we get chance, I'll have you on again on the podcast because it's been so um worthwhile and so interesting. And I know the work that you're doing is so valuable. So I just want to say thanks so much for giving you time to talk to me. Oh, and thanks to you, Steph. Really enjoyed it and always a pleasure to catch up with you. Yeah, of course. Right. Thanks so much, Matt. Speak soon. Take care, bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Leave us a voice message in Anchor. Tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show. Tune in next week for more. Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.